produce uh, David Stone. Now, uh, David's been doing this wonderful um, uh, sort of series about narcissism. We started on the light side, just talking about general stuff where we all got it, we've all got a bit of it, we all carry it with us in one form or another, and we dip in and out of it when it sort of suits to our uh, particular goals and agendas and things in life, and uh, without knowing it on our conscious and unconscious levels. Uh, and then it slips over a little bit when we're a little bit too much one way or the other in that sense and then it gets a little bit deeper and then darker and uh, and we're coming to this finale really with this uh, sort of this is the place where ouch it really really gets into the psyche so um, uh, welcome David thank you very much Steve um, now we're at this part where we're talking about the disordered side of yes. narcissism now this is a little bit more serious because it is a very very serious uh, bit but uh, I assure you that by the end of it we'll come up with a few solutions. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Very serious solutions like uh, run. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, that was a funny bit out of the way. Um, so uh, what, what we're gonna, how are we going to sort of uh, bring this into the fore now? Okay, well I think the first point I want to make to hold the space this evening on what we're going to talk about is that we don't want to vilify anybody. We don't want to vilify a narcissistic personality disordered person. It's the behaviours and characteristics that we're interested in. We're not setting out to pathologise um, the whole uh, field uh, that surrounds this, this very sensitive and very painful issue for many. So we don't want to be blaming, but we do want to flag the patterns the unusual predatory um, behaviour, um, but also make people aware the role they've played in the dynamic of perhaps predator and prey. Um, so, so that anyone listening who's unfortunately for whatever's happened can learn to spot the danger signals and break the patterns and get out, even if it's been part of your conditioning or if it uh, tends to be partners or bosses or uh, parents who you have these issues with work colleagues indeed so um, it's not about them what we want to do this evening is yes talk about the patterns but not the people as you can't control people I'd love to be able to but you you have to learn from their patterns and how yours lock into theirs and form a perfect fit. So that's what we're kind of going to be also making sure that we don't become blamey this evening. And so we can take responsibility to remap um, our own intimacy and interpersonal patterns, our boundaries and our relationship dynamics. I, I, do you know what? That's really good. I like the way you've uh, set your course for that <laughs> um, because uh, it's, that's exactly what we should be doing. Mm. Um, it's very easy, I think, uh, from a, a side of em empathy, if you like, to um, blame or even uh, fit into the side where you make excuses for you know, mm. uh, particular behaviours and you get, oh, you know, he's tired or, oh, he's, he's at work, he's uh, stressed out at work and there's all this sort of thing. And they're excuses. So we tend to overcompensate for somebody else's behaviours. So, so maybe that's something we have to rein in and pull back on so that we take responsibility of what our boundaries are and, our, and say, actually, that's yeah. not quite acceptable. And would that be a sort of... I think you're spot on. I think you've just taken it, you know followed through on what I was beginning with is that then you're not rejecting the person no. and you're not having a go at the person saying actually this behaviour is not okay Yeah, 
I'm not rejecting you, but this is where I won't stand for that. Yeah. And that's quite a risky thing to do in intimacy or in a relationship or work. You know, it, it starts to ruffle feathers. Does, does, yeah, of course it does. And uh, with those ruffled feathers and knowing some of the traits, mm. um, that would this cause rage? You know, because it does, it gets into that place well, of, you if, know. if we just rewind it a teeny okay. bit, we're, we're looking at a context here, a okay. context that we all objectify. And a someone with an MPD, we'll call that abbreviation narcissistic personality disorder, they tend to love bomb you at the beginning of a connection. Right. So it, it kind of creates a vice where you feel unable to set boundaries because you've been love bombed. And there's a part of us that's hungry. Again, this is another weak point. Okay. That's hungry for love, hungry for approval. Yeah. And then if the source of all this bombing of love is suddenly threatened because there's something absolutely unacceptable at the same time or a little bit after the love bombing phase, we're a little bit reticent to say, um, actually, I don't care how much you love bomb me, that's not okay. We're, we've kind of we've become quite coy and acquiescing when something follows it that, that conjoins the love bombing that's actually totally out of order. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. How, how, what do you think? I, I, yeah, I, I tend to agree. There's something I think that stands out all of a sudden. You really go, you go, huh? You know, yeah. what, what, what was that? Yeah. You know, and I think as soon as you get that, that's a raising of a flag, I, mm. I think, you know, and I think you get, you don't just get one, you get many uh, isolated incidents like that. Yes, and it's initially one of those flags might be in the love bombing phase. If it's, say, someone trying to sell you a course and get five grand out of you, like a yoga course or a personal growth course, that can happen too. It's not just in relationships, it's in sales, in right, the new yeah, age, yeah, it's yeah. very prevalent. So there's this love bombing, but within the love bombing, a specific example would be, um, you're, better than, you're better than my ex-lover. You're, you're just so wonderful, I've not met anyone like you before. So that can then be followed with a, a very critical comparison to an ex-lover. Right, okay. Oh, that's and that's so, how these red flags right, suddenly pop in. Right, so all of a sudden there's a, there's a reversal yeah. uh, sort of put in. And it's sort of a, a, almost like a slight or a smite or a, uh, a put-down in, and like but a sort of disguised put-down in very much. Well, it's, yes, it, it is a disguised put-down. It's the beginning of the death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. It's to start to push back. If you imagine we all have like a garden of self with a fence, it literally starts to kick your fence down and set up their parameters of, of presence inside your fence. So there's, there's a kind of invasion of your energy, your territory, your personal space, your psychic space. And that's why it's so stealth, because it comes in so smoothly yeah. under these auspices. And then it's like you say, it can start to then become quite threatening and angry. And then by that point, we're afraid to say no we're afraid to cross the gulf of uh, no return where we would actually set a boundary and say, actually, that happens again. It's finished. I cannot accept it. We're too afraid because we don't want to cut off the love if we've got that vulnerability where they have spotted with the love bombing where to then attack us is the same place where they can sweeten us up. Yeah, so that's the weak, that's like the chink in the armour, isn't it? So, and, and of course, uh, with that, oh, yeah, OK. Now, I've... I, I've got a thread then and I've forgotten it. Oh. So, go on. <laughs> well, just while you're thinking then, Steve, um, and that's what I think what we're talking about here is cognitive dissonance. Yes. It's whereby it sounds good, 
to your ego, it kind of feels good. But to the authentic part of you, the bodily intelligence is going, ah, 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 danger, danger. That's one example of cognitive dissonance. Another is they'll say, oh, you're angry. And you'll be like, but I'm not angry. And they'll, they'll flip their anger onto you. So it's a projection. So it's a projection. And it's like, again, it's another cognitive dissonance. So you kind of stop. Then that's the next phase, the crazy making. Um, where you just stop you, you, because of this death by a thousand paper cuts and the pushing in of your fence they start to take more and more of the territory up until they come right into your ha home yeah. the sort of seat of your soul and they're looking to kind of move in on your space and literally take over your sense of self yeah okay what about um, um, right with that I suppose you get uh, this is where the uh, tactics come in the strategies mm -hmm. uh, gaslighting Oh, gaslighting. <laughs> I mean, the government do it all the time to, a, to a 65 million people. <laughs> you know, so from a, micro, from a macrocosmic view, governments do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. So on a personal level... I mean, if you look at what gaslighting is, in the olden days when they had paraffin lamps... It's about a f movie, wasn't it? There's the movie Gaslight. It was about called... It was after, named after the film uh, Gaslight, I think it's called. Is it? I mean, my yeah, understanding yeah. of gaslighting, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, is that you become woozy as the paraffin burns, and that's when people could take advantage of you. Yeah, but, but it's the same thing, but it's, yeah. there was a film that was, uh, uh, do you know what I forgot the film was about, but it's about the uh -huh. film that um, it, he's doing one thing and actually doing something else completely. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, it was, uh, I forgot what the, uh, the whole film was about, but it was, it was It's this, you know, gaslighting is really setting, like it's the bait and switch. So it's setting you up to sort of maybe get really angry about something, but you should rationally be angry. And then they can prove to you that you're the angry one, you're the unreasonable one, and start to trick you out of setting your boundaries, out of knowing yourself. And you start to take on their trashy aspects of their self that they're not able to feel for themselves. Yeah. It's and so ingenious. And it's crazy-making. And now it is, but it's, it's, it's actually brilliant and precise and laser-like. It is. Yeah. If you watch any predator in the jungle, in the ocean, I mean, it's... Incredible. One, another example, let's get sort of really into the actual nitty gritty of it all, is that you start to feel that, then, that you want to support them in their needs and meet them in their needs, but they set it up so it's a given. It's always a given to meet their needs, but then your needs aren't so important or yeah. don't exist. Yeah. And for confluent people or people who merge with others who are, who, or who are very empathic, you tend to have something I call spiritual codependency, where you feel good making someone else feel good. But that doesn't feed yourself long term. You can't keep giving to others in order to, to meet your own needs. At some point, you can't merge empathetically with everybody. You've got to actually identify your own needs, say no to people some of the time, and look after your, your own needs some of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, but narcissists are very good at collapsing your boundaries again, yeah. making sure everything's about them and their needs, and you are extinguished. And uh, also, the, the gaslighting thing, it's, um, I, this is what I've understood, is like uh, you may have you know put your keys down on the table somewhere they purposely go and move the keys somewhere else yeah and uh, you go oh, sure left my keys here and you go, well they're wherever you left them last time and then you find them in a completely different room uh -huh. and then and because it's so that if their story gets wrong while they're making pathological lies and you think you've caught them out they can bound they can rebound back to you well, yes you, you left your keys where you thought yes. you didn't 
and that's yes. that, so that's slight, you know giving you self doubt in the stories that come around. Yes, you know, so they are masters of narrative. Yeah, they can twist everything. This is the cognitive dissonance where things don't feel right, but they're making you logically make sense, but inside because then they can twist things round and therefore gaslight you. So, so that's how they work. And what starts to happen is it starts to slowly rob you of all your sanity, of all your energy, until you're literally et up alive. And they literally push you out of your centre. This is all the strategy. Because once you're out of your centre, number one is you can't come back into centre as easily. And they occupy that kind of... Uh, that kind of atomic space of your soul they take over and they suck it dry because they're not interested in the egg the golden eggs that you lay you know the love that flows through you they they want you for that but they want to steal the source of it the goose uh, okay and yeah. they want to steal your goose and that's why people who've who've been through this feel so bereft of energy so collapsed in on themselves so almost violated and you know, rates of their core energy. Is this because uh, th what's really happening is they've had a, a persuade, they've been persuaded to take on a different kind of reality. It's an altered state of reality, mm. and all of a sudden they have to come back into their real world and suddenly see that there's been a massive shift there, and it's sort of a grieving process. It's a trauma, and that's why many people get PTSD from it. Yes, well, it's a bit like you're pushed out of reality, like yeah. like Frodo in Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> When he puts the ring on, he goes into that very dark realm. Yeah. I think that's the realm where you really need to be able to have these eyes to see. But just as we sort of coming towards the last few minutes of this thing, we should start to look at some of the, the ways to uh, put the safety in for yourself, put, put the understanding and the learning in. So one of the ways I think is really important is boundaries. Yeah. And so we, set, we tend to set our boundaries at another's default when we haven't been taught boundaries or conditioned in good, healthy boundaries. So if you're always following someone else's default, you'll always be at their mercy. And that's deadly with a narcissist, where if someone's really healthy, that's really healthy to be at their boundary level. Mm. So it's very one way. So what, you, what therefore you need to do is start to learn about your own boundaries and how to stand your ground and how to notice how easily you acquiesce to another person's limits, boundaries, comforts, needs, and forsake your own. It's one of the golden rules of coming back to yourself and risking the rejection, or risking the loss of love, and, and changing the patterns so that that pattern no longer keeps coming to you if you reject it. So you're not rejecting the person, you're giving anyone with a narcissistic character trait of wanting to kind of collapse your boundaries and come in on you a great big fat no. Ah, but there's a there's a consequence to that. You know, I I, I sort of know this bit is um, that the consequence to me is when you say no. Matter of fact, this is how you can out uh, a, a, an MPD really is to say no for for without giving any reason. Ah, yes. So if you say no and don't give any reason following that and just say that, then you know you will know what this person is. Yeah, that's brilliant, Steve. Because. The very essence of good boundaries is not to need to make another agree with your boundary. Yeah. They just are. Once you realise that boundaries are something that you know about yourself and you don't need anyone else's permission or acceptance for, you don't need to justify them. Yeah, 
I just thought of something. There's a bit of irony going on. Yeah. Because we've got Valentine's Day tomorrow, so there's going to be a lot of love bombing going on. <laughs> and everybody's going to be going, I wonder if, I wonder if he or she's. <laughs> oh my God. Well, this is the problem when you lose. See, when yeah, you lose your trust, a lot of people who've suffered narcissism lose their trust in themselves, yes. their own judgment, and their trust in another. Yeah. No, I, I get that. It's. Um, yeah, but um, by knowing your boundaries and knowing yourself and knowing what feels right and coming back to who you are, um, then, and that that very much means staying in the breath, staying in the body. So this, these are all the things that I teach in my work when I work with clients. It's how to come back to that visceral, embodied self, because that's got this innate intelligence that knows when someone has stepped over the mark. Yeah. That's one of the key things. I, I think it's recognised. I mean, when two people are in love, uh, it's going to be all love bombing to each other because they're just finding each other incredibly beautiful mm. and everything's there. And it's all wonderful. And that will work if it's two empathic souls and that's not involved. That, yes. that will continue. That will feed off each other and yes. nurture each other in a beautiful, uh, harmonic way. And that will go on and on and on. And that's no problem. Absolutely. But there will be some stage... At some level, there where one of the or the other will do something, where the other one will go, what? You know, what? What was that? You know, and once that you you get that, and if the other person experience. is willing to sit with you and own what they've done, you know they're a good egg. Yeah. But if they start to lie, switch the narrative, push it back on you, gaslight you. Yeah. yeah. So it's never about making judgments. It's always about go. You know, it's about. Again, like we said at the very beginning, it's like the, the behaviours. It's not the person. Yeah. So you say, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with this behaviour. Yeah. I, I can't I, accept it. And that's very difficult because the person that's on the receiving end is taking it very personally, although it's objective because the, the other person is looking at them not on a personal level. They're objects. Mm. They're not people. That's right. Because an, you know, an MPD sees everything as objects to exploit. Yeah. And it can really hurt that, that narcissistic injury in them. And they can't take that. And they have to flip it back onto you immediately. And we've all got a narcissistic injury like that where we, we try and deflect it. It's entirely natural. But it's when it's something really important and they can't take ownership that the alarm bells, the red flags should start to yeah. rise up. Oh, and, and the tough part, I think the tough times are things like in work situations where uh, say uh, the attention isn't going on one person so they're not getting their supply uh, and new, somebody new joins or something like that and yeah. all the attention goes on them and they will create a scenario of smearing that person they're not very good at their jobs or they'll set them up in some yes. sort of trap and, and a lot of these people sort of move up the chain as well they're master they? narrators and they're yeah. very ambitious people Yeah. so how long have we got left Steve? Uh, we've got about two minutes three two minutes, minutes. So that's great. So one of the things that I've really noticed is the bane of people who've become sick because of being in a narcissistic relationship. And what makes people with good boundaries successful is anger. When you've had your boundaries collapsed in on yourself, there's no space for your anger to move. There's no boundary within which that anger can build and tell you and you be used intelligently to say, actually, no, get out, get out, get off my land. Right. right, but when when your anger's collapsed in on yourself, it turns into disease. It turns into depression. It turns into low libido. You have low drive because that's a sign that your boundaries are collapsed. Right. Okay. And that so many people are suffering with depression, and it's there's many reasons. There's brain chemistry issues. There's many sort of psychotherapeutic, psychodynamic issues. But it's really important to track your anger 
where has it gone? And that's something you can really notice is a great weapon with narcissists in holding your space, saying no, really meaning your no, because they'll push past it. They'll push through you 50 times if they can see that it's worth the effort to break your boundary down. Yeah, but some people just don't have anger. And mm. I mean, I do know people that are just so wonderfully loving and giving and soft and energetic and, you know, all that beauty there. Yes. They just get trodden on. It makes they pride They don't know yes. how to be angry. So yeah. what do they do? Because uh, to me, I, I think they should just go, recognise what's going on, be aware of it and make an exit plan. Well, I think re speak with someone like, what I do in my sessions is I, I do something called restorative justice as well. And so we look at the narrative of what happened. We look at the plain old thoughts about it, the facts, the facts, the thoughts and the emotions. Right. And we split it three ways and we go through blow by blow doing the facts, the thoughts and the emotions. And what that starts to do is you suddenly start to see what the emotions were packaged in each moment. And then you can take responsibility for your boundaries. You can attribute the responsibility that the other person wasn't taking. And then you can get to see where everything's kind of crushed in on itself it's a wonderful process and i'm happy to give anyone a 15 minute session on that for free just to give them the basics if they want to sort of understand that in more detail okay brilliant uh, it's fantastic that uh, what we've managed to achieve i don't know whether there's a little summary on this but we're sort of running out of time a little bit and we've got uh, yes. like a minute uh, if okay you, so okay. you can find you can find out more on my facebook page david stone you can go to um i'm putting these interviews on soundcloud okay. david stone and my website embodied soul awakening so just just to get that out of the way so that people and there's tons of amazing posts that i'm putting up at the moment on shame toxic shame abusive narcissism healthy narcissism it's all on my wall on facebook so please do have a look there for getting into more of these solution yeah. the solution based way of looking at it all yeah I, that's it's great and uh, do do go on there and have a look because uh, i i love your facebook uh, things <laughs> and you get fantastic responses as well uh, it's a great, always always a pleasure. Now you know so the solution is I think personally just get out. <laughs> I think that's probably advisable you know, until you're absolutely yeah. really strong enough to pin them down. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know and it takes you, a lot of skill to do you're that. You're never going to win, and I just never. say just start again. You're never going to yeah. change them. No, no, not at all. So, uh, and, but that, that, I think they can. I think there's a malignant, uh, the malignant sort of energy behind it. There was a, a famous professor, and I forgot his name now, who wrote a book called Malignant Love, mm. and he sort of. He says he hasn't changed, but he's aware of his, uh, what he does, so therefore he does less of it. And when he's put right, he, although he doesn't understand it... Well, yeah. that's why boundaries are so important, because yeah, if yeah. they raise their game yeah. and honour your boundaries and respect your boundaries, you know that they want to heal, they want to take responsibility, and yeah. that is the tell. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, that's a good positive way to finish, I think, as Brilliant. well. So a big, big thank you, David, for this one. Thank you so much um, for having me, Steve. What we're going to do next time, because we've covered a really deep... We're going to do something a bit more lighter, but also something essential. We're going to look at the missing ingredient that nobody teaches you about the law of attraction. The law of attraction. Well, don't we like that? That's lovely. And the missing ingredient. I look forward to that next time. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone, for Fantastic. listening. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Valentine's Day tomorrow, of course. So uh, you know, if you love bombing, just take it.